people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for tuning back in to another edition of the deluded podcast listen people it's always appreciative every day i see the numbers going up bit by bit for this you lot support me across youtube and any other platform or project i have so it's always appreciative if you're new to this and you're hearing my voice for the first time check out the descriptions make sure you're following me and everything especially youtube because there's a whole host of content you lot know i do this now i can't complain people the Premier League is back, you know. I've, we've reviewed last week's games. You had some, you know, Leeds versus Liverpool, probably the standout for me. Arsenal got back to winning days, winning games, apologies. Always nice to see Spurs lose, you know. Chelsea um, played later than everybody. Had a bit of a scare of sorts against Brighton, but they came through it, you know. We ain't seen United and City play yet, um, both Manchester clubs, and we're going to see that this weekend. Of course, there was midweek EFL action. Admittedly, people, um, apart from Gillingham's game where they um, they won on penalties and Trey Coyle scored a penalty, um, the winner, I don't know too much of what's been happening in terms of cup competition. Um, and I know Spurs have played, they, they you know, had a late scare in the Europa League and then Don Bile and Cole turned it over. But um, yeah, man, the Premier League is back. Of course, people, we're going to get into Bale, Thiago, all the rest of it, people, because it's looking like a mad move um, in terms of this transfer market. Everybody seems to be linked with a madman, you know, and there's been some good signings already. There's going to be some other signings. Hopefully, Arsenal can confirm the signing of Partey and or Alwa. But let's get through the Premier League action. Now, the Premier League games are coming thick and fast. In terms of Arsenal, you know, we're playing another London club, another London derby of sorts. We're playing West Ham. Now, West Ham... Again, they played midweek. Not too sure on how many changes they made. I've heard Hallier scored two goals. Not too sure if his midweek goals or heroics of sorts has pushed him into David Moyes' thinking in relation to West Ham's lineup against Arsenal. You know, West Ham lost again. Um, lost two 0 to Newcastle. West Ham. You know, have, there's been a lot of rumblings in terms of the off-field stuff as well transfers and the rest of it a couple of their players have been linked with moves away um so i'm sure they want to take out some revenge i'm sure david moyes and his boys are, are dying to get their first win of the season simply put really and truly you know arsenal have a target on our heads now we did well against fulham with all due respect is fulham but three nil clean sheet away from home great way of starting things we're gonna be you know back at the emirates our season always i always say our season always starts now when you played your first home game of course the fans aren't there but that's our first home game. This this team's had two games in a week. We should we you know we should be looking to win this. And for Arsenal, you know West Ham are a difficult opposition. They've got Mika Antonio. They've got players that will give us a run for our money. But we need to win this because forgive me if I'm wrong. Next week we've got Liverpool. Now the last two times we faced Liverpool has been quite positive, especially the latest being in the Community Shield. But that's been and gone, people. You know we need to give ourselves some insurance. And Arsenal need to be able to go into games or have that game in the back of our mind and say, all right, cool, we get six points. We obviously want to try and beat Liverpool. If it goes another way, we've given ourselves a sort of platform, you know? So it's, uh, this season, I want to see if Arsenal can do things like that. Ultimately, consistency is what we live or die by. So Arsenal versus West Ham is going to be good. I mean, can the season just end today, people? Arsenal are top of the league, man. We was top of the league before the season started and we're top of the league now, man. Let's just end the season now, man, really and truly and give us another invincible trophy. But on a serious note, Arsenal have won 10 of their last 11 home games against West Ham in all competitions. The only exception being on opening day of the 2015-16 season. 
where we lost 2-0. And I'm pretty sure, you know, Reese Oxford people ranted and raves that we, how we pocketed Arsenal and all of these sort of things that they nowhere to be seen since. Um, for West Ham, West Ham have lost more Premier League matches against Arsenal, 31, than any other opponent. Um, on, while only Everton, with 34, have the Gunners enjoyed more wins in the competition than they've had over West Ham. So yeah, Everton is the only team we've beaten more times than West Ham. Not that that means anything. Ultimately, the game of football is played on the field, but these statistics are always interesting to hear. West Ham have lost each of their last three Premier League London derbies away from home, while they are yet to win such match with David Moyes in charge, winning zero, drawing two and losing three in top flight history. In fact, West Ham have lost 199, hopefully they don't want to make it 200, of their 484 London derbies and could become the second side to, um, to lose 200 such matches. Spurs have lost 213. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I actually believe Lacazette is on 49 goals for Arsenal. So there's always the token of getting his 50th in, you know, his second game of the season. You know, game at the Emirates. Statistically, he does love the Emirates. You know, he bagged away from home already. You know, there's a bit of history to be made there. You know, on the on the other hand, it doesn't scream. It screams quite negative for West Ham. You know, they're yet to win a London derby away from home under David Moyes. There's a first time for everything. I don't know how together that squad is, but I know if I was in that West Ham group and fans, pundits and whatever was questioning, are we together, questioning professionalism, questioning if we want to be here, that's going to make me play 10 times harder. So Arsenal have to be aware of things like that. Arsenal have lost their first home game of this. Um, sorry, people. Arsenal lost their first home game in five of the last nine Premier League campaigns, which includes a defeat against West Ham in 2015-16. Um, so there's always something and also after a run of seven straight away losses between December and June West Ham remained unbeaten in their final three games of the season away from home 2019-20 um, with drawing two winning one with Mikel Antonio netting six of their seven goals in this run and he's someone you know if I'm if I'm Gabriel and these lot I'm not looking forward to playing Mikel Antonio because he never stops running he never stops working he tries to leave something on you he's a powerful runner you know he's always positive you know we've got he's good in the air you know he's a work he's a workhorse you know he might not be the most he's a very industrial player so it's something we need to be aware of 100% the marquee game of the season I wait before I continue people you know why we're playing at 8 p.m. I don't know. They just messed up everybody Saturday. But moving forward, yeah, the first big, big game of the season, the first big clash sees Chelsea versus Liverpool. Now, we are not going to get to see Thiago, in my opinion. Apparently, his move is to be completed today, which is Friday. Probably wishful thinking, you know. Even I'm jumping ahead a bit, but Southampton versus Spurs, that screams Gareth Bell. You know, it's probably naive to imagine he's anywhere near match fit or ready to play or at least, you know, play against play against Southampton. He'll probably be in the stadium and whatnot, but it's probably naive to expect both of these marquee players to play. But, you know, Chelsea versus Liverpool, you know. This game is set up for Werner to bag against Liverpool, you know. It, 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 it's a familiar side, you know. You chased him all summer. You didn't sign him for whatever reason. He comes and haunts you. I think Werner is going to be a very good player in the Premier League. For Liverpool, Liverpool have a target on their backs. You know, the only place when you're at the top is down. Everybody wants your crown. City are going to want your crown. Chelsea, with the money they spent, again, they need to qualify for the top four again. But Lampard's made no secret about next level stuff, about top four. There's a target on their backs. And, you know, if we're harsh, you know, the last two official games of this season, I've seen Liverpool in the Community Shield and the, the, the against Leeds. They've kind of struggled in terms of defensively, like, 
Van Dijk, Gomez, Trent, three pillars of that defence. I have no doubt they'll start playing well again. But you have to question their concentration. Um, you know, people are going to find Liverpool out a bit this season. So, again, it's, it's, it's down to Klopp and Liverpool to, again, keep tweaking and reinventing things. And they have been doing it, you know. Even when um, Klopp finally got, you know, rid of the players he didn't want and had a base level to work with, you know, the way he's coached them, obviously he's improved them. But there's several things they used to do better that they, they don't do as good now because they're focusing on other things and vice versa, things they couldn't do that they're good at now. A big reason as to why Liverpool won the title for me is because over the last 18 months prior, they really looked to improve how they defend from every facet, from set pieces to whatever, and find margins. And there's, a no, there's the only way is down. Everybody wants Liverpool space, you know. This is why I think you need to bring in a couple of players to shake things up, like Thiago, you know. All their midfielders have to shake up now, you know. It's not about ability. Clearly, you know, none of them are touching Thiago for ability. None of them have what Thiago has in an attacking sense for Liverpool people. But at the same time, you know, Football squad 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 numbers are earned. You know, you earn your matchday squad. If I'm Fabinho, if I'm Henderson, if I'm Ox, not that he starts too tough. If I'm Ronaldo, who's been linked with Barca, I'm bucking up my ideas if they wouldn't bucked up already because someone's got to miss out for Thiago. Do you get Thiago might even have to earn his spot, but someone's got to miss out. I don't want it to be me. I want Klopp to say, yo, if you're playing Thiago, you got to play Ronaldo, or you got to play Fabinho or Henderson. So instantly you're going to see an uptake in results. I do think Werner would have provided that same effect for Liverpool because imagine you brought in, you've got Thiago now, so Firmino can't hide behind that that creative nonsense. Um, you, you bring in Werner, who's a gunman in, in front of goal and can play as a wide forward, inside forward, but also, you know, in terms of goal scoring, Firmino can't touch them. I'm not rubbing out Firmino, he's a great player, but, you know, he does get a lot of slack for this alleged work rate, you know, for being creative. You, someone you'd expect, a, you'd expect a Brazilian false nine to be creative. You'd expect someone that plays for Liverpool Football Club that's winning Champions League to have work rate, you get it? So I think they need to freshen things up. Mo Salah came out the blocks firing, you know, Mane looked decent. So Chelsea have things to worry about. I think Werner's going to have something to say in this game. You know, Hervites, Her he looked a bit, you know, we don't want to judge him too early. It's a new league, you need time. Looked a bit shaky against Brighton. He scores against Liverpool, puts in a performance against Liverpool. He's a hero. This is the game you want to see, people. It's a fantastic game, you know, for the neutrals. For Liverpool, you know, things aren't getting easy. What's it? Leeds wanted their head on a stick. They've got a tough game against Chelsea. You know, they probably beat Arsenal. I say probably being nice, but they've got two games against two rivals or top six rivals yes Arsenal didn't finish in the top six but typically you get the point so it's going to be an interesting game and it would do you know it would do both managers a world of good for Klopp you know it sends out a message that yo if you want our title you need to effing take it from us you need to kill us sort of thing for Chelsea again while you wouldn't be able to draw too many conclusions with both teams it could say listen I spent the money but we're back in our talks. We're here for serious business. We're not here to just fight over top four. We're, you know, we're trying to do second or third or maybe challenge for the league title, even though I think second or third should be the goal for Chelsea. More or less just qualifying for the Champions League again. And then next season, you know, you look to say, yo, league title and all these things. But for Chelsea, they've got a negative omen of sorts of recent. You know, Chelsea have lost each of their last three Premier League meetings with Liverpool only once before they lost more in a row against the Reds. Um, after winning just one of their first 16 visits to Stamford Bridge between 92-93 and 07-08, Liverpool have since won six of their last 12 games away at Chelsea, losing three, drawing three, including three of five under Jurgen Klopp. 
losing one, drawing one. So Klopp knows how to play Chelsea. Klopp, you know, I think the big game... Klopp shows his quality all the time, but I think big games really show the quality. I think he's got the right temperament. I think the tactics are there. I think even when Liverpool go a goal down, you never see them looking at the floor and stuff. Obviously, they have lost big games, but, you know, Liverpool, they home or away, they do they do their business. Um, so, yeah, man, excluding games on the opening day of the season, this will be the first time Liverpool's Premier League match against a side starting the day above them in the Premier League since October 2018. Um where they drew 0-0 against Man City. Chelsea finished last season with six consecutive home victories, last winning seven in a row at Stamford Bridge in the competition in 2017, December of that year, under Antonio Conte. Was that not the year they won the league? I could be wrong. Now, Leicester against Burnley. You know, Leicester showed what they're on, dismantled West Brom. Jamie Vardy got out of the blocks, got his first brace of the season. Um, Burnley are going to want to, you know, avoid that. Leicester are unbeaten in nine home games against Burnley, including all five against them at the King Power Stadium. Burnley are actually looking to earn back-to-back victories over Leicester for the first time since 2006. Um, the away side opening the scoring in both Premier League meetings between both teams last season. Um, however, the home side came back to win 2-1 on each occasion. So maybe taking the lead can be a dangerous thing in this game. Leicester have lost their opening home game in just one of their last 13 Premier League campaigns, which Burnley should, you know, be itching to put that wrong, that right and, and wrong it for, for Leicester, if that makes sense. Leicester have won both of their first two Premier League games twice before, um, where, you know, most recently 2015-16. So I we'll have to see what, what that game throws up in particular. Newcastle against Brighton. You know, Brighton put up a good showing against Chelsea, but ultimately they lost. Newcastle, there's been a lot of pressure on Mike Ashley, on Bruce. They started off in the best way, you know. Two of their signings got on the score sheet in Hendrick and, and Wilson. Wilson in particular looked good. I'm sure even Hen- Hendrick had a... Apologies if I said Henderson. I'm sure Hendrick even had an assist, people. I could be wrong. But nonetheless, you know, Newcastle are, are without a win in all six of their previous Premier League meetings with Brighton. Brighton have lost just one of their last six visits to Newcastle, which is crazy. Um, of the 712 Premier League fixtures to have been played three or more times, Newcastle versus Brighton is the only one to average less than a goal per game. So this could tell you we're stuck for a board draw, but football's funny. This could end up being 5-4 to either team. Um, obviously, after winning 2-0 on the opening day, um, Newcastle are looking to start a league campaign with consecutive victories for the first time since 97-98. Brighton are unbeaten in their last seven Premier League away games. No side is on a longer current unbeaten run on the road than the Seagulls. So that's going to be an interesting game. Now, the Gareth Bell derby. You know, it would have been perfect for Gareth Bell to play against Southampton, you know. I know he's got a lot of love for Southampton and what they've done. Same way he's got a lot of love for Wells and Spurs, you know. He's a son of all of these places. But it would have been a great game for him, especially because it's away. Forgive me if I'm wrong. But he'll probably have to sit this one out and probably Regulon as well. Um, you know, it's even more interesting considering Spurs allegedly placed a bid for Danny Ings. Um, but for what it's worth, Southampton have won both of their last two home games against Spurs. They've won none of their previous six in such matches against Spurs at St. Mary's before. Spurs have lost two of their last three meetings with Southampton, as many as in their last previous 15 before that. Against no other current side are Spurs on a longer wait for a clean sheet than they are versus Southampton. They failed to keep them out in their last nine meetings. 
Newcastle, sorry, Newcastle, Southampton have won their first home game in just one of their 21 Premier League campaigns. Spurs haven't started a Premier League campaign with back-to-back defeats since 2011-2012. However, Spurs are unbeaten in their first away game in each of their last four Premier League seasons. Moving away from that, and you know, Wilfred Zaha back at Old Trafford, Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. United are getting their season starting, you know. You've got Bruno, first full season, can he do it? For the likes of Greenwood, you know, Greenwood's still young. But like Bakayo Saka, you're a known man now. People know what you have. So there's a degree of expectations. You're not this breath of fresh air, sort of out of nowhere sort of thing. Because I know a lot of fans knew about Saka and Greenwood, both sets of United and Arsenal fans. But there's a majority of fans who literally don't. Until they play first team, they don't know. So it was a breath of fresh air. You can almost do no wrong. But there's going to become expectation. People are going to look at things you got away with last season and you're not going to. You know, for Rashford and Martial, simply put, can they continue what they did last year? You do that, you shut up these critics who was always on to them. For Pogba, hopefully, as a neutral, you know, I've got a lot of time for Pogba. He stays injury-free. Um, you know, you've got Van der Veek coming into it. However they're going to use Van der Veek, I'm keen to see. But Crystal Palace, you know, they're doing their thing. And it's going to be an interesting game. Manchester United have lost one of their 22 Premier League meetings with Crystal Palace. However, this defeat came in this exact fixture last season after Van Aanholt became the first and today only visiting player to score a 90-minute winner away to Manchester United in the Premier League, people. Away from that, Crystal Palace have never previously won back-to-back league trips to Manchester United. Palace are unbeaten in their last four Premier League away games against two Manchester sides, um, which is quite good. Man United have won their opening Premier League fixture more often than any side in the competition. Crystal Palace have never started a top flight campaign with two consecutive victories before, which is crazy. So that that's one game I'm looking at, people. Leeds against Fulham, two promoted sides that tasted defeat. You know, Leeds probably put a bit more of an account of themselves. But Bielsa versus Scott Parker, be good for both teams to get three points, you know. The side playing at home have not ju- have not lost any of their last eight league games between Leeds and Fulham. So it's crazy. Winning the last three in a row. You know, Leeds are looking to win back-to-back meetings with Fulham for the first time since December 2003. This obviously extends to June when Leeds defeated Fulham 3-0, a scoreline they tasted against Arsenal last week, which I'm sure makes them sick. In the last 31 Premier League matches between two newly promoted sides, the away side has managed to win just twice, which is crazy. This will obviously be Leeds' first home game in the Premier League since their return to the division in 16 years. After winning their first ever Premier League game in Yorkshire, Fulham have lost their last seven top flight trips to the county by an average of 3-18, to 18, which is crazy. You know, away from away from that, people. Everton against West Brom. Now, Everton, brilliant performance against Spurs. Spurs were poor, but they can't deal with that. They won. You know, they've made new signings. They've won. And I'm sure they want to continue that. West Brom got put to the sword against Leicester. But as much as I feel Leicester were better than them, cheap mistakes as to why West Brom lost. Same as Fulham, you know. Certain things you can get away with in the Championship and even Leeds. You can't get away with in the Premier League. There's no time for that, you know. And Everton, I'm sure, are going to want to win. West Brom, you got embarrassed in your last game. I'm sure you don't want that to happen. And Bielik is fighting for that not to happen. Everton have lost just one of their last 11 Premier League encounters with West Brom. Um, 
which happened in 2016 under Roberto Martinez. Um, West Brom have, have won only two of their last 12 Premier League visits to Goodison Park. Against no side have West Brom kept more clean sheets in the Premier League than they have against Everton, which is stands at eight. Ironically, that's level with Sunderland. Everton are winless in their last four home meetings with newly promoted opposition. This is this comes after obviously winning ten in a row prior. Um, following obviously beating Spurs on the match day one, Everton are looking for back to back victories at the start of a Premier League campaign for the first time since the twenty twelve. 13 season people away from that you've got Villa against Sheffield United Villa are unbeaten in their last 13 home games with Sheffield United Sheffield are unbeaten in each of their last four league games against Villa Villa have lost their first home game in four of their last five Premier League seasons however Aston Villa have won both of their final two home games of the 2019-20 campaign you know which is crazy Sheffield haven't started a top flight campaign with two consecutive defeats since 1973-1974 you know that will be on that will be on the monday and the final fixture on the monday sees wolves against city another low-key tasty fixture you know wolves are building something special pep guardiola's got it all to do this season you know i'm never going to disrespect pep is pep guardiola one of the best if not the best manager to have ever done this he's been there done it all the players that talk about him, it all says it. He's left a hallmark and a legacy. He's had people all trying to copy his stuff. He's birthed a lot of new coaches. That being said, again, I don't want to be disrespectful, but if we're real and we, you know, like I said, we account for what I just said, but we look at the flip side, his rep is, his rep is our all-time low, you know. Shot himself in the foot in the Champions League. Blown out the water by 20 points in the league. Spent how much money and it's derailed by one injury. You know, things like Angelino buying him and then getting rid of him. You know, there's a lot of things for Pep to do. You know, there is a lot of fuel to the fire when people do say he's a checkbook gaffer and he needs Messi and all these things. I don't believe it, but I can't necessarily deny it. So Pep's got it all to do this season, all to do this season. You know, they have to have a convincing performance in the Champions League. They have to definitely win the league title. If not, you're not going to win the league title. Liverpool, whoever, only win it by a point or two or one of them things there. You don't get blown out before the turn of the new year, and really and truly. That is disgraceful for Pep Guardiola's high standards. He needs to live up to the high standards he's set, and I think he's failing himself in that regard. Ironically, him and his players need a pep talk. Wolves were just one of two sides to complete a Premier League double over Man City last season. United did the same. Man City have lost four of their last seven top flight away games at Wolves. Man City have lost both of their last two league meetings with Wolves. Pep Guardiola has never lost three consecutive league games against a single opponent in his entire managerial career. Man City haven't lost their opening game in any of their last 11 Premier League seasons. Since returning to the Premier League in 2018, Wolves have won none of their 8pm kickoffs in the top flight. So that could be a bad omen, but you could imagine Jimenez and the rest of them will have something to say. Now, let's get into the transfers, people, before we get out of here. Let's talk about the big one, the big, big one. Gareth Bell. Let's get into it. In fact, you know what? Let's hold the belting for a sec and talk about a certain other player that plays for North London in a North London strip and is in a North London club. You know, he's up there when it comes to most goals in Europe's top five leagues since 2017. I can see Lionel Messi on this list. 
I see Lewandowski. I see Immobile, who's done all right in Italy. I see Cristiano Ronaldo. I see Mo Salah. I see Harry Kane. There's Kylian Mbappe there. There's street smart Jamie Vardy. There's Luis Suarez. But you have to save the best till last. Aubameyang, he's finally signed that contract. 111 games, 72 goals, two trophies, one golden boot. Since making his Arsenal debut, Aubameyang has scored more goals across all competitions than any other Premier League player. Not many players have outscored him domestically in this league. You know, do I need to sing his praises? I'm over the moon. You know, it's like a new signing. When I'm seeing Bell come to this league, when I'm seeing, you know, Thiago, when I'm seeing Hervites, when I'm seeing all of these sort of Ferran Torres, I'm looking at Arsenal to bring people in. Do not get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. They need to get our party. It needs to happen. But this is like a new signing. If we lost a Bamian, we'd be pissed people. Forgive me for my language. We would. We wouldn't have the money to replace him. You know, we've already got other holes that need to be addressed. You know, I'm happy that this man's committed himself. You know, you could have seen it going the other way. The team's playing poor, it needs a rebuild, he's playing out wide, he's tracking back. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm painting a picture because it's all for what? Scoring all these goals, tracking back, playing out of position, it's all for what? It at least has to be for a project you want to be a part of. If Uno Emery was here, genuinely think Aubameyang's not staying. So it's nice to see he stays. There's no assurances in football, you know. I want him to win a Premier League and Champions League at Arsenal, of course. So I'm realistic, but of course. But what I see by this is that, you know, he knows trophies are no guarantee. He wants to cement a legacy at this club. And also, he believes in Arteta's project, you know. Arteta might prove he's not the man as much as I sing his praises. But I think he's deserved the luxury to at least lead us through this tunnel to the light unless he shows us that he's not the guy in it. He, it's his first full season. We're going to see the good, bad and the ugly of Arteta. He's, he's shown us the good. We're going to see some buky things. But... It's nice to know Aubameyang stayed. It sends a strong message out to incoming players if they had any memories. It, it gives a strong message to any key players Arteta has in his team that has any thought of getting cold feet and keeping it moving from this club, you know. So I'm happy with that, people. We've got to talk about Gareth Bell. Now, he plays for Spurs, you know. I want him to not turn up specifically for two games in that fixture calendar list. But I like Bell. The neutral in me wants to see Bell in the Prem. I think it's good with all these signings that are happening. I think... I'm a fan of Bell, you know. I used to work at Spurs. Um, there was a, there was, I used to get pictures with all of the players, and I think Gareth Bell and Danny Rose were the two two coolest guys I ever met. Considering at the time, you know, Gareth Bell before he moved to Madrid, he was linked with these teams. He was Johnny Big Bulls and whatnot. He took time to take a picture of man. He's talking to me about my job and about football and all of these things. He asked me, "Am I a fan of Spurs?" I was like, "No, I'm an Arsenal fan." He showed some love. Um, he showed some love. Danny Rose was a cool brother as well. But Bell, I want him to do well. You know, I want. I think it's good for the Prem. Bell's got quality. I'm keen to see, is it the Bell I've got pictured in my mind? You know, ball into space, long legs, dipping, you know, free kicks, you know, 30-yard screamers, putting man on their arse. Is it that Bell? I don't know if he'll have to adapt. I think he's going to be a success. I don't buy all of this, oh, he's 31 and he's all of these things. His age is irrelevant. Look at Jamie Vardy and Aubameyang. I think a more relevant question would be his conditioning because he's barely played last season, you know. He does have a mad injury record. I think, you know, when I did my last um, live stream with Fuad um, of the stoppage time, I, I calculated in the last three seasons, he's missed 194 days or so with a various car, fire and the rest of it. So it's all about physical conditioning. And for a 20 million loan fee, you know, on, on, on ability, that's chicken change for Bell. These are the only things that are concerned. But if they can nurse him through that, which 
I think Spurs, you know, they're under no illusion. They know the sort of player they're getting and the record he's had since he's left. Um, they'll manage him well. I'm keen to see if Bell will have to change his game because is he going to be that right or left winger? I'd have thought he's going to take a place on the right wing for Spurs. Him and him and Kane, you know, that instantly boosts your chances of top four and the signing of Regulon. Um But could Bell even play up front? Could Bell even play, I wouldn't say a 10, but you've got two workers behind Bell. You've got Bell in a role slightly withdrawn behind Kane. You've got Kane, you know, you've got Son on the left and there's that gap on the right. I'm not too sure. And in today's day and day and age, you know, you don't. It's, Gareth Bale isn't going to be the most productive getting chalk on his boots because the most productive players are inside forwards, which Bale has shown. You know, Sterling is more productive because he's closer to goal. It's not, you know, Salah. You know, the minute he came, Klopp said we're working to getting closer to the goal. Is it any coincidence how away from his ability he's scoring mad goals? And I think you get the best out of Bale the closer you have him. I think with this Bale now, you know, you get runners. You make sure it's not. It's like a Perez thing. It's a bit different because Bell will mash work defensively. But I remember Arteta, not Arteta, was it Wenger? Wenger or somebody said, it can't have been Arteta. He said, with Perez, you know, you need 10 other workers. And I'm not saying Bell don't work hard, but I think if you get the industrial midfield, if you make sure your fullbacks provide real width and stay high and wide, I think Bell, you keep Bell in central positions where he can exploit teams and cut in off that, off that right and smack it with his left foot. Simple as. You know, with the signings of, I think Doherty and Hoiberg were two shrewd additions complementing the side. I don't think Jose should play Winks and Hoiberg, you know, together in certain games because it shows it's, it's not lacking any attacking dimension. You know, Spurs could have benefited greatly from a Thiago signing just as much as a Bell, in my opinion. I know they've got Endombele and we'll touch on him. But, um, yeah, like I said, people, you know, that's some real shrewd additions. You've got Regulon. Fair enough, you know, big clubs don't agree to buyback clauses. I had to do it. But, you know, Spurs get a decent player, helps them. If he develops, he goes back to Madrid. They pay a profit to keep it moving. For right now, the modern day demands good fullbacks. You know, they've got depth. I know Danny Rose is going to keep it moving. and I don't know what they're going to do with Ryan Sessegnon, but they've got Ben Davis and Regulon to fight out for that now. You've got Bale. You know, you've got the shrewd additions, like I said. Apparently, they still want a striker. They've been linked with Danny Ings. Be a good signing for them. They're playing. Danny Ings got a perfect way to audition for the Spurs move and whatnot, people. I think Bell instantly makes Spurs top four challenges. But at the end of the day, Spurs need a centre-half. And, you know, Bell can score as many goals as he wants. If Spurs can't keep clean sheets and, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's gonna for me, it's going to take a while. I wouldn't say a while. You know, I think Bell's probably at 60%, 50-60. I don't, he ain't played too much. You know, pre-season, he ain't had too good of a one. You know, he got subbed for Wells the other day. Um, 60, a 60% Bell is still a madness and still can make the difference for top four. I'm just saying... You know, you probably got to give Bell some time before, you know, you see the real, real Bell in it because he's he's playing, he's not played a lot of football. Um, so Spurs definitely, definitely have more of a chance at the top four with this lone move for Bell. You know, for Bell, he gets a chance to feel important. You know, Spurs kind of struggled, you know, against locomotive, Polidiv, whoever that is in Europa League qualifying. It would have been banter if they lost. But Ndombele, I think, you know, as much as I'm talking about Bell and about Kane... And about this and that, I think if you, you know, if if if, if Jose stops this beef with Ndombele, you know, he could be as important as Bell, you know. I was peed off people when Spurs got him. Peed off. This man has ability, you know. He's got a lot of work rate to do, you know. He's got to get more goals and assists. He's got to do things in less touches. His fitness has to improve. But that's a very good player. That is an attacking, I don't want to say attacking player, but... He's, if you describe his strength, you know, his frame, he'll be called powerful and whatnot. He's a good passer and he wants to go forward. 
you know. You can have all the Canes in the bell. Someone's got to pass them the ball, you know. Bell and Kane can't always drive, go from deep. Son can't always go on these mad runs, you know. You're not always going to see that lovely ball from Toby Alderweireld or the whatever, you know. You've got to need to have them connectors. And it's all fun and games playing, having Bell and, and Kane. But if you're going to go in there with Hoiberg and Winks and then your sub is going to be first and foremost Sissoko, you're not going to get anywhere. So I feel... You know, Spurs' squad isn't perfect. I'm sure if you spoke to Spurs fans, they'd have a lot to say. For me, I think they need a centre-half, you know. But it's a thing where I think they've got a, they've, built, they've got enough players now and I think the players have to pull it out. But I think you've got to look at Jose now. Again, he can still say it's not his squad and the rest of it. But you've got to look at him now, really, and what he's and what he's doing now because he's got a decent option, you know. He said he, he tried to sign Bell for Madrid. You've got your man now. You've got Harry Kane, you know, can you keep Kane and Bell fit? Because I've just spoken about Bell, you know, Kane occasionally missed a month or two every year and still up there for goal scoring. Um, so it's a madness. Jose on on, on Endombele actually said, Tuga is, a, is in a process of evolution. Last season, he wasn't. Last season, he was stuck in a situation where I couldn't see evolution. In this moment, he's training very, very well. He's, phys he's recovering from his injury. He's recovering physically. And today, he gave us what we needed in this last 30 minutes. In this moment, I believe in Tugai. I never doubted his quality, never. I doubted in some moments his motivation and his commitment and professional attitude. In this moment, I believe in him. Today, we made this decision together to not start the game because he also feels that he needs a bit more. But in this moment, I think Tugai can do well for us. And it's a very testing time, you know, with Endombele, you know. Forgive him for thinking, you know, you've rejected Barcelona, you've rejected all of these teams, you signed for Spurs and you've barely had a look in, you know. Pochettino apparently wooed him, told him how to improve him. Much as football goes, you've seen another manager, almost two polar opposites come in. And now look, so I think, I, I believe in Ndombele. He's a player I want to do well. You know me, I'm not one of these tribal football fans. I enjoy the banter. I enjoy to get at Spurs and dig, but I like to talk football for what football is worth, man. And I would like to see him have some joy. It's never nice to see someone not want to go to work or not have a smile on their face. And you're a footballer. You should have a smile on your face. I would give a lot to be doing that for 10 seconds. You lot are footballers until you turn 35 or whatever. So cherish it. So hopefully Ndombele and, and, and Jose can get back on talking terms. You know, away from that though, Thiago, bad boy signing for Liverpool, you know. We can't always look, you know, Bell isn't going to single-handedly, he'll make the difference, but he's not going to change Spurs' future. If we get Aura and Partey, it's not going to change, they're not going to single-handedly change Arsenal. Werner and Hervites aren't going to single-handedly change Chelsea. And Thiago isn't going to give them a Champions League by himself on a silver platter. What he does do is significantly upgrade that midfield. Before I talk about his technical abilities, you know, with the system Klopp has, not that you don't alter things for certain players, the first thing people say is, Thiago, how's Thiago going to do that dynamic play? You know, have people seen have people seen Bayern Munich's play, people? Have people seen Bayern Munich's? The amount of running they do, it's not exactly low intensity. And Thiago was in the heart of midfield for that. So undoubtedly, he can fit into that team. I don't have the running metrics, but I'm pretty sure he's not too far off Ronaldo, Henderson and Fabinho, you know? You know, looking at, looking at his defensive output, his coverage is quite vast, people, you know? He made 9.9 .9 ball recoveries. He made 2.7 tackles. He made 2.4 um, interceptions over the course of per night. This is his per 90 stats in the Bundesliga and Champions League for the whole of 2019-20. Now, I don't have that in comparison to Liverpool players or, you know, 
a similar sample size in comparison to his Bayern Munich players. But I think that tells you that just because you have, when you speak of Thiago, you think of, you know, the, you know, the dictating tempo, the nice passes. He can win a ball back. You know, he wins the ball back and makes smart fouls a lot for Bayern Munich. So undoubtedly, he's able to do that. He takes Liverpool up without a doubt. He takes them up significantly. We know that. I know that. You know that. Like I said earlier, there's pressure for places. And he upgrades them and they need this, you know. I think Werner and Thiago would have been perfect. Strikers, you know, obviously Mane and Salah, I don't think he's going to start Werner out wide. But, you know, things can change. One of you would miss out. Make sure it's not you. And you've got that in midfield now, you know. So I think that's a very big signing for them. And I think, um, I think, yeah, like I said, I think it's a very big signing for them. And I think, you know, I've talked about his interceptions and whatnot. You want a creative spark in that team, in which he is as well. Um, and he, his ability to take people on. And I think it's interesting. When you look at last season, of the 348 players that attempted 50-plus take-ons across Europe's top five divisions, three players had the, had the highest success rate. And it's interesting. You've got Chelsea's Kovacic. You've got Thiago Alcantara. And you've got Arsenal target Thomas Partey, you know. So that's a bit of an interesting one. So we'll see what happens in relation to Thiago. In relation to Partey, it's lovely to see he's there for take-ons, you know. There are a bit of negative Partey stats, but I want Partey and, and, and Aoua. They need to come to the club, you know. We need them. We don't get one of those midfielders. We don't get a midfielder, people. My hopes for top four is a myth. Like, big up Xhaka, especially since Arteta's come in. Shout out to El Nene in the games he's had so far this season. But are you, if you was to ask me, do I, am I 100% convinced with that midfield pivot or our midfield options over the course of 37 remaining Premier League games and however much is in the Europa League and the cup competitions, domestic cup competitions, it's a myth, people. I'm not going to lie to you lot. So if we don't get midfielders, my hope for top four is over, you know. I have to give thanks to to, Gab, um, to Martinez, sorry, for his year's service at this club. He's been here for eight or so years, eight to ten years, Martinez. And he only got 12 games, but he acted with integrity, you know. His last two games for Arsenal, you know, he, he won the Community Shield and the FA Cup. In the twelve in the little run he got um in the team, you know, he showed his he showed his levels, people. You know, he kept Arsenal's first clean sheet since January 2015 in an FA Cup semi-final against Man City. That was our first clean sheet against City. He made eight saves in our first Premier League win against Liverpool. Um, well, our first win against Jurgen Klopp. So he can leave with his head held high. I think he was bluntly told Leno is our number one. Apparently, he said in relation to the Community Shield, he's made his decision um, after the Community Shield. So was that a somewhat a farewell? He needs to play games, you know. As much as I think he's been a good serviceman, the stats are there. He's played 12 games, I believe. Also, that's not good enough, you know. So he can leave with his head held high. You know, he goes to Villa. You know, he signed a four-year deal. Go and make that spot your own. Go and keep them in the league, big man. It'll be interesting so we can see your base level of performance now because the harsh critics might say, you know, Leno's in goal longer. If Martinez was in goal as long as Leno, we might be saying it's closer and whatnot. So we have to see. For Arsenal, we got a fee rising to 20 million, which is a decent fee for a player that, you know, not too many Arsenal fans would have told you, myself included, that he's a good goalie and them things there until he got his opportunity. So it is what it is in that regards. Moving away from that, I'm all sure you've seen Jack Grealish has signed a new five-year contract with Villa until 2025. Now, he's been linked with moves away. He's in the division. Is that because he wants to commit, the 25-year-old wants to stay there for life? Is that to strengthen, you know, strengthening their bargaining hand when it comes to eventually selling him? I don't know, but the critics will say, similar to Zaha, when he signed a new contract recently, 
You know, you're not helping your case if you want to leave the club. You know, moving away to Europe, though, people, and Edin Dzeko is set to join Juventus from Roma after, you know, they've decided for whatever reason Luis Suarez isn't going to happen. Apparently, he'll sign a two-year deal and, you know, Juventus will pay around £15 million for him. Um, so, I have to see what happens there. Chelsea Loney or, you know, probably the captain of Chelsea Loney FC. Lewis Baker apparently is in, is in Istanbul as he's about to have a medical at Transporsor. I cannot say their name. After the two clubs agreed on a season-long loan move with an option to buy, he will head out there to play on their head coach and former coach, youth coach at Chelsea, Eddie Newton. So let's see if the 25-year-old can actually settle down and have a season to remember because it doesn't appear he has a future at Chelsea, really and truly. Um, moving away from that, though, apparently James Rodriguez's move to Everton from Real Madrid was allegedly a free transfer, according to his former club, Banfield, who claimed that they have received no money from the 29-year-old's switch to the Premier League. It said, after hearing the news of the transfer of James from Real Madrid to Everton and 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 with attention to the current FIFA regulations, the club made inquiries to find out if it was their responsibility to collect any money through a solidarity mechanism. Despite various reports from news agents um, that indicated that the transfer had been for a significant cost, a situation in which Banfield was going to have benefited from, um, from, from that sum for having contributed to the training of the player, we have discovered that is not the case. So if Carlo called in a favour and got a free transfer on Hammers, I can't blame them. You know, Real Madrid need to move him on. They've kind of moved on Bell to a degree or supplemented some of his wages. So we'll have to see what happens in that regard. In relation to other transfer news, folks, um, Liverpool apparently are in talks to sign Ishmael Assar and are in discussions with Watford, who want £36 million for the 22-year-old. Um, he's also been identified by Manchester United as a potential alternative if their move for Jadon Sanjo fails. Apparently, they also considered moves for Perisic, who they've been linked with under Jose, Kingsley Coleman and Douglas Costa. Apparently, they're targeting 33-year-old Kidira when his contract expires. I'm not too sure the case of that. Chelsea are set to bid for West Ham's midfielders Declan Rice as a final act of their summer spending. They've also apparently agreed a deal for 28-year-old Renz and Senegal goalkeeper Mendy, who will join Chelsea. That's from his agent, allegedly, courtesy of the star. Apparently, Manchester United are to bid for 27-year-old Porto defender Alex Tellez. Apparently, that bid is imminent. Southampton have told Spurs, Tottenham that Danny Ings is not for sale at any price. Leicester are closing in on the loan signing of 23-year-old striker Senji's Under from Roma. And apparently, they still target James Tarkovsky, who West Ham have had a £30 million bid rejected for. You know, it's crazy. Finally, Nathaniel Klein is training with Crystal Palace and could earn a contract, people. So we'll have to see what's happening. Um, I won't go, in, go into it, but I'm sure you, you've all saw Bortomeu, the Barcelona president, who was to stand down um, due to the upcoming election in 2021. Apparently, he's received a vote of no confidence, which has got over 20,000 signatures. This also comes as setting their former manager and his, and his three assistant coaches will take legal action against their employers. Apparently, they were not notified of the sacking and several other legal legalities around such. So it's all kicking off in Barcelona still, people. You've all saw the Golden Boy announced, the Golden Boy list announced as well. There's a lot of interesting names on that list, people. For me, it has to. The winner probably has to be Jaden Sanjo. He's the only one out of all of them. Either Sanjo Highland, or my, in my opinion, 
or to be honest, Alfonso Davis and probably Alfonso Davis. You know, he's won the Champions League. He's, you know, he's he's, he's shut out some top players en route to that. You know, I do think when you talk about players, there's a bias away from defenders as well. He's fully one of the best, if not the best, fullback in the world on the left hand side at the moment. It's got to be Alfonso Davis without a doubt. I'd probably give it to Alfonso Davis in third place. Um, second place probably Jaden Sanjo. Third place is a tough one. You know, you've got Highland, you've got Greenwood, you've got Foden, you know, you've got Bakayo Saka. I'm obviously going to be a bit biased. You've got Jonathan Davis. You've got Kamavinga, who probably should get that third place. You know, you've got Esposito, you've got Estares, you've got Tavares, you've got Ihateren of PSV, you know, you've got Kulosevsky of Juventus now. You've got some talented lads, Fabio Silva, Dynamo Kiev Shipra, who I've seen play at youth level. Nico Williams, Ferran Torres, you know, Shabozlai, you know, Fabio Silva of Wolves now, formerly of Porto. There's some interesting names, but for me, Alfonso Davis has to win the Golden Boy Awards. So, yeah, people, man, we've spoken about the Premier League. We've spoken about the new transfers. We've spoken about the Golden Boy. We've briefly even spoken about Barcelona's elections. We've been here for around 40-odd minutes. It's always a fantastic one speaking to you guys. But for now, I've got to keep it moving, people. I'm not going to lie. Um, like I said, man, it's been a lovely podcast. Please make sure you check out all my other content. Links are in the descriptions. People, DG, thank you for listening. I'm out. <laughs>